way I look at it is you need to have some humor sprinkled in here and there. It's I like to use a baking analogy. When you're baking brownies or cookies, a lot of times in a recipe, you'll have just an eighth of a teaspoon of salt that you put in. And I used to wonder about that. Why wouldn't you want it sweet all the way through? You need that little bit of balance of saltiness in your sweet in order to fully taste the sweet. I think the same thing is true when you're writing about something that's heavy or intense. Welcome to The Author's Leverage, the podcast where we explore the journeys that await you beyond your book. I'm your host, Parshel Tashi, and in each episode, we connect with best-selling authors, publishing experts, and industry pros to unveil the pathways that enable you to leverage and amplify your book for extraordinary impact and income. Whether you're a seasoned author or just embarking on your authorpreneur adventure, prepare to be inspired. Today, we're joined by a guest who's going to share some invaluable insights with us. But before I introduce them, I want to invite you to download your copy of our ebook and its companion digital workbook. It's called Five Ways to Get More Bang for Your Book. It's a comprehensive guide to supercharge your author journey, and you can find it below this episode, along with where you can connect with us on social media, subscribe, and rate the podcast. Now, Let's dive into today's episode and take a sneak peek into the future of your success as an author. Today, I have a very special guest who is an expert in helping authors bring their stories to life while infusing humor and lightheartedness into their writing. Specializing in personal development books and thoughtful children's books in the mission of Kim Wells Ely's company, KWE Publishing. As a writing coach and publisher, Kim gives clients six steps to making their books a reality. She's happily married to her BFF for over 20 years. She's a speaker, an author, a cat lover, a collector of orchids, a horror film fan, and she gets all of her news from comedy shows. <laughs> it's true. It is. I love it. I love it. Kim, welcome to The Author's Leverage. I'm so happy that you're here. Oh, Carshall, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> This is so interesting. I'm curious, what is the source where you get your news from? Because I'm like, I could use some of that. Oh, comedy shows. Absolutely. Candidly, the writer's strike is throwing a little monkey wrench into all that. But I used mm -hmm. to always watch comedy shows because that way you get the news, but you also get it through a humorous yeah. filter. So you walk away chuckling and not completely depressed. We need a little balance. See, we do. Yes. We do. <laughs> uh, so I'm so intrigued how you got into this space of helping authors write their books and get it across the finish line. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. Glad to share. I often jokingly say that I was an English major in college. So, of course, I went into IT because doesn't every English major do that? <laughs> but you know what? It turned out to be a great thing because... Nobody in IT likes to write. I had job security. I was documentation and technical writer on my team. And I did so for about 17 years. And life was good. I worked my way up and became a project manager. And then one day at work, we had layoffs. And I wasn't laid off, but most of my team was. And I'm a very people-oriented person. I was mentoring several of the people on my team. And I was really crushed. And I'm like, what am I doing? It was one of the best things that ever happened to me hmm. because it really shook me out of, I call it my sleepwalking state. I was just like, what am I doing with my life? I, I love writing. I love helping other people. 
what do people do who do a job that they absolutely love? So me being a reader, I was looking for a book that I felt would help me with tackling what do people do who love what they do for a living. Couldn't find the right book, so I decided to write it myself. So I wrote and published my own book. I self-published in 2016. And when I did, oh, I made all the mistakes. I self-published and I, oh, I, I kept some of my wackadoodle drafts just because it was so crazy that the things that I did. But I got through it and I published my book. And then me being me, I was like, hey, I wrote a book, you know, at the coffee shop, wherever I went, post office, hey, I wrote a book. So people were going, great, how do you do that? Still in the IT mindset. It was like, oh, it's just these 60 easy steps. You just do the And most people, their eyes would glaze over and they're like, yeah. thanks. And they'd walk away. One lady was like, mm, Kim, stop. I don't want to hear all that, but I'd be glad to help you work with you. I, I would pay you to help me through the self-publishing process and writing my book. And I'm like, she took a chance on me. We published her book. In 2017, we learned a lot together, and that that just started it for me. I started as a side hustle, worked my way up to full time. In November 2017, I quit my IT job and haven't looked. I love it, and especially considering just the beauty that comes when you venture to do something that doesn't exist yet. You wrote the book that you needed. Absolutely, I was so thrilled because one of the things on my bucket list was I wanted to write a book, but I always felt like a, a writer without a topic, if that makes mm. any sense. I was yeah. like, I was always that person who would be, people would come to me in school and be like, Kim, can you help me write this? Blah, blah, blah. But when it came to writing my own thing, I really think I needed that kick in the pants from the, the layoffs to make it happen. A hundred percent. And I, I love your personality. I think every single time that I've been on with you, I just feel better about life altogether. <laughs> And I just, I know just for, even from hearing you today about how comedy paints a picture and it creates an experience for you. So how, is that something that you advise others do? Like, how do you infuse humor and that lightheartedness into your writing, especially for topics that can be tackling, like hard to tackle or like serious or challenging topics? Oh, absolutely. That's a great question. And I feel humor is important because, especially with personal development books, you're right. Sometimes the topics can be really heavy. For instance, I'm working with an amazing client right now who's writing about the death of a child. That's an incredibly wow. heavy topic. But way I look at it is you need to have some humor sprinkled in here and there. It's I like to use a baking analogy. When you're baking brownies or cookies, a lot of times in a recipe, you'll have just an eighth of a teaspoon of salt that you put in. And I used to wonder about that. Why wouldn't you want it sweet all the way through? You need that little bit of balance of saltiness in your mm -hmm. sweet in order to fully taste the sweet. I think it's just that the same thing is true when you're writing about something that's heavy or intense or really emotional or meaningful. Part of it is your readers need a little bit of a break. If you're just hitting them with heavy, that's hard. Yeah. You need to have that little bit of break of something funny happen, something slightly silly, something lighthearted. I think it's that little sprinkling of sugar into the savory that makes it taste balanced. 
Oh, yeah. And I love that analogy. It makes so much sense. And I know that at your at KWE Publishing, you all specialize in the personal development space and children's books, too. What drew you to those specific genres and what impact do you believe that they have on readers? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it's been cool because, and I wish I could take credit for this, serendipity happened when it came to working with the children's books. Authors have been coming to me who specifically have a cause or a mission behind what they're writing. Mm. Frequently, they I've worked with children's book authors who have written about juvenile diabetes, nutrition, health and fitness, late onset hearing loss awareness, different mm. topics that are health related. But I think it's so important because with books, you can tell a story is with all books, you can tell a story and it's universal, but especially with kids, the best way I think to help either educate or get a message across, like you're not in this alone. You're not the only kiddo dealing with diabetes or dealing with this mm. particular issue. Mm. Um, and so I love that because I love being able to work with children's book authors and get creative about how can we get this message across, make it super fun and delightful but also have it educational. I'll give you a case in point. One of the amazing children's book authors I worked with, her name is Valerie James Abbott. She is a force of nature. She is amazing. She's an advocate for kids who lose their hearing early in their lives. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to get across the message about hearing loss. One of the things we did was we worked with our awesome author, Gina W. And she actually drew an illustration, a spot-on illustration of hearing aids. And we did that partly because the little girl in the story decides she wants pink sparkly hearing aids because who wouldn't as a kid? But also to buy the experience of, oh, this is what the hearing aid looks like. It mm -hmm. not only appeals to the kiddo who's going to be wearing this, but the parent as well. It takes the scary part out of it by having that information. Plus just sharing about the pink and glittery hearing aids. Every parent can identify with that and be like, oh yeah, of course. My kiddo who loves sparkly stuff is going to want their hearing aids for <laughs> Exactly. And that, that's such a good uh, example as well, because there, there are things to consider when you're writing for different genres, of course. So um, when it comes to the personal development side, what are the unique considerations that go into mind for that type of work? Oh, absolutely. I think because so many of the personal development authors that we're working with, I like to describe it as they're writing about their personal hell, something awful that they went through. They're, they have the ability to come back, Dante coming from the inferno and saying, you know what? I went through hell. This is how I went through it. I want to give you this journey. I want to give you my message mm -hmm. as a roadmap so that you not only know that you can make it out of hell, but here's some steps that you can take along the way. And so I, I think that's so important because often, even though we know that other people are going through experiences, sometimes we feel like we're just like, I'm the only person on the planet who gets this. And it's, there's other people, there's this other person who, who can reach out to you as the author have this conversation and, and take you through this. 
And to go back to the humor too, I think it's important to sprinkle little bits of humor into it because there's a lot of gut punches in the the personal. T- oh, after <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so it's important to sometimes there's times when we just absolutely. I, I think one common theme with our authors is you get to a point where you're like, "What next? It's what else can happen?" That can be a point of humor. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and it's something about the humor, too, that just makes it feel more real in a way, because something about it just drops this guard that you have about it, and it just opens you up in a different way, especially for that delivery when things are not as easy to to see or come come to terms with about yourself in that kind of a space. Absolutely, and I think it's also part of, I'm going to call it the growing process, when stuff happens, it's hard to laugh initially when death or illness or mm. the heavy stuff in life happens. Mm-hmm. Our first initial reaction is generally not to find the humor in it. I think as we grow and we adapt and we figure out, okay, what's my new normal going forwards? Humor is a sign that of resilience. We're going to make it. It's, yeah. it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It may not ever be the same as it was before whatever incident happened, but doggone it, life is going to go on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Such a good reminder. Now, I know that your new book, which just released in May from Mess to Message, 10 Steps for Writing Your Book. So could you give us a little glimpse into some of the key steps or strategies that you outlined there and how that can empower authors to bring their stories to life. Oh, heck yes. And thank you for mentioning it. This was such a fun book to put together. I'll tell you a little bit about it. And then I'll talk about some of the pieces of the book. What happened was I was asked to do a series of articles for an amazing magazine called On Purpose Women. And the articles were taking a writer from idea Mm -hmm. all the way to published book. And we published a series of articles. And afterwards, I asked Jenny Robertson, the editor, I'm like, do you think we could put this together into a book? And she's like, yeah. And she goes, not only that, I'll write the forward to that book. I was like, I'll take you up on that. Nice. Very excited about that. But yeah, we really take it from idea. Like for instance, making sure that you have, there's one part that I mentioned a couple of times in the book, which is having a strategic plan, which sounds fancy, but it's really three main things. What is your intention? As you're writing this book, What does success look like to you as the author? For some authors, for instance, it could be, I just want to write this book before I leave this earth. For other authors, it could be, you know what? This book has everything to do with my entrepreneurial business and I want to attract more clients by publishing my book. So getting really clear on the intention, getting clear on the message. What do you want your reader to think about or do or act upon differently after having read your book? I'll give you an example. One of my absolute favorite books in the world is called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Have you read it or heard of it? I have not. I have not. So she's famous for writing Eat, Pray, Love. But Big Magic is all about creativity. Hmm. And I was completely changed after reading her book. Because she talks about fear, and I'm going to paraphrase here. She has a wonderful passage where she says, as creative people, we can never completely get rid of fear, right? But she goes, fear? Okay, 
you're coming in the car with me, but you're sitting in the back seat. You are not allowed to say anything. You're not even allowed to touch the radio. You just sit back there and be quiet as I move forward. <laughs> Until that impacted me. I was a changed person after having wow. read that book. So Powerful. what is it after reading your book that your readers are going to think about differently? And then the third part of the strategic plan is who is your ideal reader? A lot of reader, writers will be like, I want everyone to love my books. Yeah, but realistically, there's going to be a niche. If it's a children's book, that can be pretty easy to identify because it's what age group of children are you reaching out to? But it, it works for all types of books. For personal development books, if you're writing a book, say, about leadership, maybe you're appealing to somebody who has the entrepreneurial spirit and they want to capture that for themselves. If you're writing a book about death or grief, yes, you can re reach out to the, the community who was impacted, but it could be reaching out to readers who are curious about life and the bigger questions and the bigger mm -hmm. meanings. So mm -hmm. really looking into it, and part of it too can be demographics. Are mostly people who are college educated going to be attracted to your book? Is it going to appeal to moms? Is it going to appeal to soldiers who are looking for their next steps? I'm just throwing out different mm -hmm. things here. Yeah, yeah. Um, just having that in mind and see what the sweet spot is. An interesting thing to me is sometimes the more specific you get with your audience, really the more general it is. Meaning I may not ever, I may not have, excuse me, I may not have served in the military, but I might read a book about what to do if you're a veteran and you're looking for your next stages in life mm -hmm. and find it really fascinating because all of us have a, a common thread with some things and it could be mine is I'm an entrepreneur. I never thought about what I would do if I left the military and started as an entrepreneur. There's unique challenges yes. community, even though I'm not part of that community, it still is really appealing to me because I'm like, dang, I never thought about that before. Yeah. Cause there's different considerations or different perspectives that people have to address or overcome for the same end result. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it's fascinating because I think a lot of times we learn so much. I'm trying to think of the exact quote. I'm going to paraphrase it. But I remember reading something that said, because I've read books, I've lived a thousand lives. And yeah. it's so true. I've never, I'm trying to think of a good example. I've never been to Hogwarts, but doggone it, I've lived through it because I read the Harry Potter series. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that just thinking as well, just because I know that you're a writing coach. So I'm thinking from this perspective too, I mean, there's so many challenges that do come up, right? And these questions around what I can do. So what would you say of all the stuff that you've heard, what would you say is like the biggest challenge or the biggest common challenge that you see for those that are in that stage? And like, how do you help them overcome that? Oh, absolutely. Great question. A lot of it is just getting started. And I think part of it is, and this is a, a good thing on the face of it, but there's so much information out there about writing your book, getting started, publishing. I think it can be daunting to people because they're like looking at the whole mountain. <laughs> like, holy cow, how am I going to approach this? I think it's helpful to 
break it into bite-sized pieces, meaning when you first get started, I use this example in from, from mess to message, say you want to write a book about bees, Mm. bees, giant topic, right? There's so many different ways you can approach it. The more you get your arms around it, partly with your strategic plan, what's your intention? Let's say I want to write about beekeeping. Okay. We've taken it from bees to beekeeping. If the message is how easy it is to become easy and or hard it is to become a beekeeper, narrowing it down a little bit more, specific readers. Do you want to appeal to somebody who is in living in a city and becoming a beekeeper and those unique challenges versus it? Maybe you're pitching, you're specifically going after people beekeeping to a one. You've already got the beekeeping set up, but what do you do now that you've had mm-hmm. your bee, bees for a while? So getting that kind of specificity and getting your arms around it can actually be a comfort because then you're like, oh, okay, I'm writing within this space. I'm not trying to write to the world. Um, I'm writing for these specific people. And I think once you get that clarity, it, it can be really helpful. A lot of times I'll start with writers and if they're like, I just have all these ideas. I'm like, okay, let's do a brain dump. Take out a piece of paper or type it onto a blank um, page. Just write out everything in your brain. And then go back, take a walk, take a little break, come back to it and circle those ideas that really resonate with you. Because sometimes our brains will be like, I really should write about this. And you go back to it and you're like, I don't feel like writing about that. Fun. If you're engaged and excited about your topic, your reader is going to be engaged and excited about it as well. So circle those topics and then go branching off from there. What can I write about? And if you start naming off topics and you're like, oh, snap, this is hitting on my intention and everything. Boom. You are in good shape to get started. Absolutely. I just wrote down another question I want to make sure I ask. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay. And 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 because this is such a daunting task, right? Like writing a book, like we see the finished product sometimes and initially sometimes they underestimate what goes into it. And so I know that it can be a, a daunting and overwhelming process. So what sort of support do you provide to keep people motivated and keep them focused? Because that's what you just described, niching down helps to create focus and the focus makes it easier to show up. So what are some of the ways that you're doing that in, in your sphere in terms of your book writing coaching? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So part of it is accountability. A lot of times when we coach, if our authors haven't written their book, we'll say, let's create a schedule that's going to be very doable for your timeline. Let's say a lot of authors will write a chapter, submit it to us, we review it, and then we schedule a time to look at it together. So that accountability piece of, okay, turn in your chapter and let us take that time to look over it. Part of it too, just keeping that excitement because when you first get started and you're excited about a book, it's a very different feeling than we're on chapter 13 and we've got 13 more chapters to go. You know, it's like, all right, we can do yep. this, you know, yep. keep it going. So part of what I do, and I'm, I'm always, I always strive to be, um, and I, I got this from, I took um, life coach training from Martha Beck. And so I learned this concept. Be, I'm always strive to be TAO, transparent, authentic, and open. So I'm not going to get jazzed about your book if I'm not genuinely jazzed about it. But if I'm really excited about how something's going, I'm like, oh, snap. You know, say you had left off on chapter five. I'm like, partial, 
chapter six. I can't wait to read it. I, I genuinely get really excited about it, yes. especially when our writers are on in flow. Everything's moving. And I'm like, give me the next chapter. This is so good. So I love that. And that, that's what you want. You want someone like that on your team, right? Who's yeah. helping you. Like, how, like, it's just such a difference with that versus just, just you by yourself. So the one question I, I did write down a few minutes ago is, who is it that is needed on your team? So if you're an aspiring author, who are like, the main people that you need on your team to leverage your time, leverage your, all the things. What would be the team that you would assemble? Absolutely. Okay. So you want your accountability person, the, the person who it's like, I am not, I am not disappointing Parshall. She's my accountability partner and daggummit, I'm going to show up with my work done. You also want somebody who's a cheerleader. Now take it on the scale that you want. Not everybody wants this amount of energy, but a lot of people. <laughs> You need somebody who's, you've got this, keep it going, blah, blah, blah. You also always want an amazing editor. Let me take a little sip here. An amazing editor. Editors are worth their weight in gold. You want somebody who's going to be like, and there's different, excuse me, I'm so sorry. Okay. There's different editors. So there's content editors who are going to help you with ensuring that you're telling your story consistently, succinctly, so forth. There are line editors who go line by line and say, mm, you know what, this sentence doesn't exactly make sense. But can you, or my favorite, I, I think, is to have somebody, I think this is really the difference between, in my opinion, an editor and a book coach is, as a book coach, especially with personal development books, because a lot of times writers are writing about something that's difficult, I can tell when somebody's holding me back at arm's length and mm -hmm. is not letting me in with their writing. And I'll be like, mm -hmm, you got to let me in. And sometimes, Marcel, I feel like a masochist because I'm like, you have to go there. I'm like, I'm sorry, but you're avoiding this and you mm -hmm. have to go there. So sometimes, not, not that you want a masochist on your team, but you want somebody who's going to be real with you and be like, yes. You, you, you're not, you're da tap dancing around the topic and you need mm -hmm. to, to go there. Mm -hmm. So you need your reality check person. And then once you're going through the publishing and the revisions, you need somebody, maybe you need that cheerleader again, because towards the end, you get what I call document fatigue, where you're like, I never want to see this manuscript again. I've seen it so many times. Yeah. Need that person who's like, we're getting over the finish line. We can do it. I love that. I love that. And particularly with the work that we do, we're in the space to help them leverage the work. What next conversations? And so that's somebody I would probably say can follow, join the team after that process has happened, because even just to help you think through that and strategize, okay, what's going to be a, a specific path to where this book works for my business and works for these other aspects that I have going on. So I really, really and speaking of, I know that you're also a big fan of videos and training and things like that too. So how do you feel like authors can utilize those mediums to maybe enhance their book promotion or engage with their audience on different levels? Oh, heck yeah. I think it's so important because when your readers or potential readers hear you talking about your book, they can visually see your passion, your excitement about it. I love, especially leading up to a launch, doing like a video Q&A with authors to ask what inspired you to write the book and what were what was you what was your intention in calling out those things 
because we always want to know that, right? I know I can tell you so often I've heard, vid watched videos with authors and I'm like, snap, I am writing down that book because I definitely want to read that. So I think video is an incredibly important medium. And I love what you do to create training based on books, because so often with personal development books, you have a lot of, I'm going to call it meat there that mm -hmm. you can use it. I feel so many readers are changed by reading a really good personal development book. And I feel also that the readers can go through their own personal transformation and development by analyzing and using the parts of the book to use for self-discovery and changing their own um, trajectory. So I, I feel video is incredibly important. And so is uh, creating those training components as well. Absolutely. I always say if it makes the implementation easier, that's what people will pay for. And I think that's the, lever the leverage available is that for some people, reading the book may not be enough. They want to go to the next step. And there can be that step in between the book and then maybe your personal time in the form of a workshop or training or what have you. So I, I love those conversations and brainstorming that with folks. It's like one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So Kim, I'm so glad that we're having this conversation. I could talk to you more because you're such a light and you bring so much. As we wrap up, I would love for you to share where folks can connect with you and then any other like parting words of advice that you have to share. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. So probably the best way to get in touch with me is my website. It is kwepub.com and find me there and connect with me. I love doing consultations with amazing authors. And what I would advise is take action. For so many people, they have the dream that they want to write a book. They have an idea like, I have a message. I have something I really want to share. I'll do that someday. Mm. And I think that was one of the silver linings that came out of COVID and all the crapola we've been through the past couple of years is people realize life is short. Someday, let's make that now. And so I would say if you have the idea, if you have that itch to write and to share your story, do it. Don't, dis don't postpone it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Kim, I just want to, again, thank you for being here. I want to acknowledge like, just everything that you've made happen for so many authors and helping to spread just positive messages, especially for children and for adults. Just, I, I love the work and the genres that you play in. I'm a fan, <laughs> always, and I'm super excited for our future. Thank you, man. Thank you so much, Marshall. This has been a joy. All right, that concludes another episode of The Author's Leverage, and I trust you're leaving today's conversation inspired and equipped to see your book as a source for so many possibilities. Before we part ways, I want to remind you to download your copy of the ebook and its digital companion workbook, Five Ways to Get More Bang for Your Book. Again, it's a roadmap that's going to be useful to help you unlock the full potential of your book. Find it on our website, connect with us on social media, subscribe to the podcast, and share it along with a fellow author. Until next time, remember that your words have the power to change lives. So keep innovating, keep leveraging, and keep making an extraordinary impact. We'll see you next time.